right here, we're here uh, with Mark Esch, former Mankato West uh, high school football coach. Uh, grew up in Caledonia. Um, you know, had, had been with the Prior Lake and Minnetonka football programs the last couple years. He's the author of uh, Rise of the Warriors. Thanks for uh, uh, meeting with us, uh, Mark. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Yeah. Um, how did, you know, you, know you, you see coaches write books, you know, sometimes, but how did you become, how did a coach become an author in your case? Well, I have no previous experience, so I just kind of <laughs> decided I was going to do this. You know, uh, the history of it goes back to when I was at Kelvin High School. It was it was a tougher culture then. There was a lot of drinking and, and uh, you know, drugs and smoking and fighting and bullying, all that stuff. And Carl Fricke was my ninth grade football coach. Okay. And then I saw him take over the program in 1997. And slowly transform it into what it is now, which yeah. is unbelievable. And um, I looked at my wife and kept saying I should write a book about it. Hmm. So that's how it happened. That's how a football coach becomes a uh, author. You tell your wife you too many times and she says you better just write it and stop talking about it. So <laughs> that's kind of how it, how it happened. Mark, this is Dan Huss uh, with the Eden Prairie News. I'm here with Eric today. And how does this how does that story translate outside of Caledonia? Yeah, great question, Dan. So I feel like the first part of the book, guys, is uh, is kind of a history of Caledonia, where yep. they were, and the steps they took to overcome. And uh, and then the second half of the book is the attributes that make Caledonia football great, which I think are present in all great teams. And so through reading that this book, I feel like you get a blueprint in a story form of what you can do as a football coach, volleyball coach, basketball coach to transform your teams. And that, that applies not only in Caledonia, but all across the nation. Also, I think any team that you work with, whether you're a business leader or you work with a small team um, at your workplace, uh, all these things can apply. And when they're applied, they can make a difference. Yeah. How long did it take you to, to work on this book? Yeah, so great, another great question. It's been in my mind for a few years, so I've kind of written it in my mind. Uh, but I started back in January of 2019. Okay. Um, met with Carl. I shared it with Carl Frickty, of course. Yep. He was on board. Uh, and uh, met with him in March and got a whole bunch of names of his recommendations that people should call and interview. You know, one of which was obviously Carl Klug, the former yeah, NFL sure. football player. Yep. Titans and Zach Grant, former Navy SEAL. So it was really fun talking to all these people um, and interviewing them. And then going back to the 80s, to, you know, 80s and 90s was kind of when it was at its worst. Yeah. Uh, so that's how it started. Yeah. Um, so you were hoping you were hoping that they would keep the streak going. <laughs> You're like, come on, win another title this year. I was absolutely. <laughs> anyway, but even more so. Absolutely. What would you say, I mean, without giving away too much of the book, what, what would you say, you know, the biggest changes, maybe the biggest thing that you saw when you were, uh, you know, thinking about this story, thinking about what had changed, what was the biggest thing that, uh, that, that transformed Caledonia from, I think I read, uh, one, one playoff win in 15 years to, you know, all these state titles, 60, you know, 60 uh, some, uh, you know, victories in a row. I think Eric, uh, the head coach, Carl Fritty, and 
beforehand, Mark Fraling kind of started yeah. moving this in the right direction. Um, I think the number one thing is they decided why they were doing what they're doing, and it wasn't wins. You might not know that yeah. at the program right now, but Carl Fritke and Mark Fraling decided they were going to invest in young men, teach them life skills, and care about them, build relationships, but hold them accountable at the same time. And that's, you're seeing a fruit of that number one step. And I think a lot of us have been in that situation, you know, as a head coach for 11 years. There were times I was just caught up in winning as yeah. much as anybody. Um, but it all comes back to, you know, where are these guys 5, 10, 20 years from now? Um, are, they, are they still in touch with you? Are you still an influence on their life? And, you know, Mark Fraley was that guy for me. Yeah. And Carl Fricky as well. And so that's what they do, and that's what they do so well, and that's why guys want to run through a wall for them. That's why they'll show up at the weight room at 6.30 and have speed workouts early in the morning, and that's what they have going down there. And that's one of, one of many things that are outlined in the book, so I don't yeah. feel like I gave it all away. No. <laughs> now, Mark, Eric told me there was a couple Navy SEALs, a couple NFL players, and it sounds like some great kids. Were there the same type of kids there 20 years before but didn't have that same sort of relationship? 100%. That's a great question. Same kids in the 80s and 90s that are there today, and a lot of them have the same names. I mean, and you see repetitive names coming out. I mean, Brad King, dad of... um, of the King brothers, Eli and Owen and Noah, he went through the program in the 80s. His brother Randy went through the, you know, so, so it's the same type of kid. Um, it's just the, the leadership wasn't there. And I think that's what we as coaches and, and, and leaders in any area is if we're going to be true leaders, we've got to care about people and serve people. And that's that's the story of Caledonia. And that's why I think it's so amazing being in this. It's the same kid. This is a small town. There wasn't a lot of turnover in families. Yeah. So the same type of kid, but some things changed that created these these uh, young men going out and being a Navy SEAL and being, you know, a town of 3,000 people has two Navy SEALs. That's unheard of. And yeah. No football players. And, you know, who knows where Eli King will end up and yeah. no one know. Absolutely. So, yeah. When, when you started at Mankato West in 2006, I mean, is that what you... You tried to take what you know, what you had seen and uh, what you had learned, um, you know, into that program. And was that a big reason why you feel like, you know, outside of having all-state quarterbacks almost every year, uh, do you feel like that was a big reason why Mankato West had the success that they had over your tenure? Yeah, I think so. I, I feel like this is a shared philosophy book. Um, Carl and I have been good friends. Like. When I was at college and you took lacrosse, you would drive over and I remember sitting down for three, four hours. We just talked life and football. And, you know, he was probably 26 years old and I was 21 years old or whatever. Um, so, so we have a shared philosophy. I would say there's no doubt that everything that, or not everything, but most things that are in this book, I tried to implement at yeah. Mankato West. You know, and there's a few more challenges with it being a bigger school. Yeah. And then, you know, coaching at Minnetonka High School, you can walk through the hallways and you might not see a football player. Yeah. Um, but Carl walks through the hallways and he sees his whole team. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so so that's, a, that's an advantage. So there's some challenges that come with the bigger schools, but it can be done. Uh, and those are the, 
the things that, that I did at Mankato West, besides landing the, the great quarterbacks year in, year out. What a blessing that was. <laughs> I, it, it's unbelievable. Uh, you can just go through through the names and, uh, um, yeah, there, there was a big reason why uh, you were you were very successful on the field was those, those guys. and. It didn't just. It wasn't just quarterbacks. It was. It was across the field. Those the linemen were, were were hard workers. You always had strong linebackers, and you always had a running back that would uh, that kept you <laughs> off guard. So, yeah, I, I feel like uh, linemen can be built, and in, in the weight room, yep. we got a, we had great buy-in. And people always asking are how the quarterback thing. Yeah, you know, year in and year out. We, we searched for these guys. Yeah. And we found these guys when they were young. And I know a lot of coaches try to do that, but um, we had three or four quarterbacks in every class, and one would rise to the top, Philip Nelson, Zach Anikstead, yeah. you know, Jack Foster. So a little, little insight on that. Yeah. Huh. Now, I'm sure you've heard a lot of feedback from football players, football families, football fans, but have you heard from – the business person or somebody that doesn't know anything about Caledonia football? I'm not. That's a market I would really like to get into. I really feel like these uh, principles and, and stories in the book would really apply to business. Uh, my wife and I are in a, a small home-based business for for about 17 years, and we apply all these principles the same way. It's about building relationships. It's about knowing what you're doing, what you're doing. And uh, the second attribute is don't quit. You know, once you decide you're going to do something. You know, we live in a world where it's just easy to quit nowadays, just to be honest. And if you really want something, you know, set the purpose, know why you're doing it, don't quit. And I think as we get into all of these, or if you get in the book and read all of these, they're going to apply to your personal life, they're going to apply to your business. So with the book only being out a month, we haven't gotten a lot of in the business realm, but that's something we hope to do. Now, as a sports writer here, I mean, everybody, all the people that I write with and work with, we all think we have a book in them. How, I mean, is it harder? Is the process of selling the book the hardest or getting it to print or actually writing? What's What makes it so difficult? I think it's all of the above. First of all, no writing experience and, and, and wrote a book. Um, there were days where I had to really push myself to do it or call that person and interview them. And, and it's more work than you think, especially when you get into editing. Yeah. I mean, editing, for a guy like me, that drove me nuts, just to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so that was difficult for me, uh, but worth it. And then, you know, with... Uh, we, we self-published on Amazon because publishing companies are you know two to three years out right now and I felt like this is a story that can be told right now yeah. and and so we're self-promoting and yeah we are finding you know the first month we sold a thousand a lot of those were local Caledonia people and people I know from the coaching world and um, now we've kind of slowed down a little bit so we are looking for more ways to get the word out so if you guys have any ideas I'm an open book you, it sounds like you need Christmas to come around four times a year. <laughs> right, right. It's, a, it's a great Easter book and Valentine. Get it for your Valentine, sweetheart, and there you go. And everything. Go. I'd love to get your 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 philosophy right now on on you know when you you spend time in Mankato West, you know you read ran, ran the spread offense. It, 
you know, I, I look at now that you've, you've had two years with, you know, in a 6A program, do you see what you ran at Mankato West being feasible at, at the 6A? I just look at, like, what YZ did this year. Lambert Brown turned the ball. You know, he had his quarterback turn the ball, uh, turn around and hand the ball off to the running back. and 47 times. Yeah, I mean, Eden <laughs> yeah. Prairie, you know, Mike Grant would like to never pass. or You know, so do, do you feel like what you did at Mankato West is – the way to go still, or is it more of a traditional uh, game in Minnesota? Uh, I feel like our offer can transfer to six A school. We, uh, you know, spending the two years in the six A programs at Prior Lake and, and now Minnetonka, I think a hundred percent. You know, I I think there's some key concepts like stretching the field horizontally as much as vertically. Um, but you know, the other thing I just want to add in, Eric, is a lot of people forget, and you remember because you watched us, but like our last couple of years, Ryan Schlichty's senior year, we played St. Michael in the um, state yep. semifinals in Eden Prairie, and we ran the ball 54 times. Yeah. We also threw for 300 yards. So <laughs> <laughs> my philosophy is let's do whatever's going to the game. And I think, you know, if we had a quarterback like Ryan Schlichty and we had the receiver like a Connor Watts, or Nick Cows or someone, the Ritter yeah. twins. Uh, if you remember those. Oh, yeah. Back Connor, back. yeah. Oh, yeah. When you have those kids, that's the game changer. We didn't have that at Prior Lake. Um, you know, and, and that's something we need to build. And, and you need to identify those kids just like you identify a quarterback. So I think our offense can, can be modified to fit the strength of the kids, whether it's turning around and the ball off 50 times or throwing the ball, you know, Hopefully not 30 times it, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a firm believer 20 to 25 times yes. is a plentiful amount to throw the football. Sure. And, and Eric, as you saw, we threw the ball short a lot. That opened up the deep game. And Absolutely. We can get into all the X's and O's. We won't do that right now. <laughs> Speaking of Minnetonka, when do you expect uh, to be named the head coach? Are you in the running? <laughs> yeah. Well, I have applied. And yeah. Going through the process. So, you know, it's a challenging field. Uh, I said, no, uh, Ted Schultz to AD, and there's a lot of applicants. So I'm going to do my very best, and, you know, I'm going to be okay with whatever happens. That's sure. what I teach my kids, and that's what I'm going to do. Well, we're, we're all starting to get a little anxious for for, for, Ted, for Ted to make that hire. Uh, yeah, well, I think, I think uh, we're moving along, so yeah. um, won't be too long. Why don't you tell us where, where, where people can, uh, you know, purchase, purchase Rise of the Warriors book? Yeah, thanks. So you can just go to Amazon and search Rise of the Warriors, Mark Ash, E-S-C-H, or we have a, a website, and you can go check some of the um, reviews on the book, and you, there's a link that will take you right to Amazon, and that website is www.riseofthewarriorsbook.com. Okay. It's riseofthewarriorsbook.com. We're also on Twitter. Eric, I know you've hit us up on Twitter. We're uh, at ROT. W 2019. I'm at Coach Ash 2019. We're also on Facebook, uh, Rise of the Warriors page. You can search that and, and like us on Facebook. Awesome. Again, thanks, Mark, for for joining us and uh, and good luck uh, the, with the book and and uh, future as a coach. Yeah, I appreciate it, Eric. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan, Mark. Care, well, that was uh, Mark Ash, author. 
my pick, I think when did I, I tweet that out in uh, December or something, my pick, I think he'll, uh, he'll be the new Minnetonka head coach. I think I, I always think that Minnetonka loves to splash with a winner, and and Mark, uh, I think they were at State eight, eight or no, it's geez, ten of eleven seasons uh, he was in Mankato or nine to ten or something like that. So, um, so I, I, I we'll, we'll see. I would think they would name that new coach pretty soon here. Yeah. I mean they, you know, they don't obviously don't have practice right now, but you want to meet your kids in the weight room and absolutely. There's lots of things going on, fundraising and. Well, then you have to get a staff staff in place right. too. I mean, um, Medtech has got a very veteran group of guys, and so you never and know I think who Min- will step down or where you don't need to fill in holes and stuff. So, and Minnetonka is a little unique because a lot of their coaches are are teachers yeah. in the system, which yeah. isn't the case everywhere else. Yeah. So, so we'll uh, keep our eye on that one. Let's turn to a little local sports. You got a little purple in your uh, in your shirt. That's been a maybe unpopular color to wear after Saturday's debacle in the Bay. They did not look very good. Oof. San Francisco looked really good. But what, did San Francisco look good because the Vikings were so bad? I don't know. San, San Francisco's been the best, and I all week people were like, "Oh, the Vikings are gonna win." It's the 49ers. They had only experience. It is. 49ers are the best team in the NFC for a reason. They're the number one seed. And it is kind of funny how a, lo- a lot of the local media outlets were oh. basically 0-2 on the Vikings play. I mean, oh, they, yeah. they everybody oh. picked the Saints, and then it seemed like everybody was picking the Vikings. But you, for, you know, like Eric just said, the, Vi- or the 49ers were the best team in football for at least through the first 10 weeks. And then they might have taken a little dip, but that had to do with Players getting injured, hurt, yep. injured, and not part of the lineup. Yeah. When they came back, oh, yeah. they're pretty dynamic. And that front seven is there's nobody like it in the NFL. I, I don't think. I think the Green Bay Packers might be the closest. And I mean, I, I tweeted out. I'm gonna toot my own horn. 49ers 24, Vikings 10. I laid out the reasons. I thought you said 31 10, uh, which is even closer. <laughs> I. No, 31-10 was the, the Saints game. Okay. Uh, I, I put 24-10. It was 27-10. Uh, Marcus Sherrills hadn't dropped that fumble. They wouldn't have gotten the three points there, and I'd have been exactly right. I just, like you just said, the Vikings' offensive line has not held, did not hold up against strong pass-rushing teams. Chicago, Green Bay's, you know, I, Seattle. And, and I it, just said, we're, we're not going to be able to hold up against this line. It was bingo. And so. it really was those strong teams that had an interior rush that yep. provided a bigger issue. Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, Bradbury was a rookie. He showed it. Pat Elfline is a shell of what he was as a rookie. Josh Klein is solid, but still got beat multiple times. And so that interior core was, was really rough, and then to lose O'Neal. But the thing was, they were only down four points at halftime, so it was like, okay. Uh, but that second half, I mean, the, the drive that, that you know, things should change a little bit is when you give up for whatever, they, after the pick, a terrible, terrible route by Adam Thielen. They go right down the field, eight plays, ten plays, 45 yards, score a touchdown without even throwing a pass. And that's, you know, it's, we talked about it with Mark. I mean, 
you know, when you can run the ball and everybody knows you're going to run the ball and you can still run the ball, yeah. you know, that's, that's demoralizing. That is demoralizing. And it was over, right, when he scored that touchdown. And, um, yeah, it just was a – I mean, you know, we had some up-and-down moments this year, but you felt like the Vikings, maybe the way they played at New Orleans, that maybe this was going to be a different different thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, it was – I mean, I was sitting there watching it with you know, at, a, at the Mankato Beer Festival on a big uh, projection screen, and everyone was huddled, and then everyone just started drinking beer, because so either way, we were going to drink beer, but uh, it, uh, you know, I, they, they got, the thing is, they still got lots of good pieces. I just don't know, I mean, they're going to be strapped for cash every year because of these, you know, big contracts. They keep re-upping guys, but the the Vikings aren't the only ones with right. a thirty million dollar contract or a thirty million dollar quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't think it's just him though. I mean, you you re-upped on Kendricks, Barr, uh, Harrison Smith, Thielen, Diggs. You know all these guys, and it adds up. And so you're gonna they're gonna have some tough decisions this off season. Um, I, I'm definitely in the boat of not extending Kirk Cousins um, this off season. Uh, and it's nothing to do with Kirk. I know we talked last week that you know he's probably in that six to ten. But I just don't think that with with the team that we have in front of him, the offensive line, you have to have guy a guy who can move his feet a little bit and make plays. Even Jimmy Garoppolo, when he got rushed a few times, stepped up, made something happen out of nothing. Kirk Cousins in a game like that, he has no chance with that offensive line. So you better give him. You know, you better give them uh, the the line that that Troy Aikman had. Uh, you know, I just to, to with win. their roster, I just don't think they can have that top five type of line. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. And yeah. and you can't. I mean, people don't let good linemen go. No, I mean, you're not going to get it. You're not going to be able to build it in a draft or one draft. No, and you're not going to. I don't think you can get it through free agency. But I mean, I would like to see them draft a quarterback not in the first round I, come on we've got much more if you're this close if you feel like you're this close and they are I mean they're they're among eight teams next going in next year on paper that probably have a legitimate shot so you can't draft a quarterback in the first round but I would like them to look at somebody in the second third round I mean I just saw a mock draft and that Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma was in the third uh, Jake Fromm from Georgia was in the third they got to try something. Um, you know, somebody pointed out the Vikings. The Vikings won ten games and made the playoffs with these two quarterbacks, Tavares Jackson and Christian Bonder. And think about how bad they were, and they still won. So, how much more? You know, how much more are we getting because we're, we're we've spent? But that was with Detroit really bad. Yeah. Chicago really bad. In yeah. Green Bay, probably. Yeah. Not well, great. we lost them in the playoffs and Ponder's year and Tavares had to come in. But I I just think that in t- in today's game, uh, you gotta have somebody who's mobile. These these are these defensive linemen and the blitzing, it's just too much to just have statue, you know, statue like quarterback. Uh, I like cousins, I like what he says. Um, great 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 guy in the community and stuff, but he he just is what he is and um, I just don't think that. 
I don't think he's worth extending. Obviously, you're gonna play him. You're gonna play him next year because you're paying him. So, but what do you think of Mike Zimmer? It kind of brings up the question, you know, have the Vikings hit their ceiling? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, even Zimmer at his press conference talked about it's a young man's game. Yeah. It, you know, half of me thought I would. I wondered if he was talking about himself. Yeah. Well, another thing I tweeted out uh, on, on Saturday after the game was I, I think Zimmer focuses so much attention uh, on the defense that he's forgotten other parts of the game. He, you know, if they're, they're in a third and four or something like that, he's thinking about lining up his defense, getting that all ready, then rather interjecting himself and what's going on in the field and I think that's a major problem uh it's funny because I heard Dan Burrow talking about the same thing yesterday Ron Johnson uh former gopher wide receiver uh had this take as well I, I just think that he is so focused on 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 just the defense and I think you almost have to be a CEO as a head coach uh Bill Belichick he lets his coordinators be coordinators and I think that's why you see Defensive coordinator walked away after many years with Zimmer. First time a defensive coach has left Zimmer. They just don't have a. They don't do anything. You know, this guy wants to Georgia, George Edwards, George Patton, something like that. Uh, Edwards. Edwards. This guy's been in the league for so many years. He wants to be a defensive coordinator. He is, but he's not making the calls. Zimmer is, and so, um, I yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think Zimmer needs to step back and be the general on the field. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he has the capabilities of doing it. Not especially next year when they're probably looking at two or three new corners. I mean, yeah. that's right up Zimmer's yeah. sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, they're good. That's, everyone wants Xavier Rhodes gone. Well, Mackenzie Alexander's uh, a free agent. Trey Wayne's is a free agent. So there goes two of your three starters. So if you get rid of Xavier Rhodes... And you have all three potentially, you know. Then gone you might and, have to overpay Wayne's just yeah, to keep him. Just to keep him, and he's not worth it. So I mean, I there's there, there's there's a you know for every team you're going to go through these question marks and such. Um, I'm interested to see what they do at offensive coordinator. Uh, I fully believe that it will be Clint Clint guy uh, Clint Kubiak with with his dad like sitting right next to him um I, I you know so but i don't i mean sitting right next to him i think he was sitting right next to stefanski too right yeah <laughs> so. i mean stefanski's on the field but i think i think kubiak was definitely in his ear a, a lot i'm sure but um so so cleveland Browns <laughs> hire the guy who just uh who just uh you know got outperformed and and stuff but yeah i guess I guess there's more than one game, right? You have to look at it more than one game. Yep. We were down on the Twins last week. Are you are you high on the Twins now? I mean, they need. I thought. I think they needed to make a move like yeah. that just, just for their fans, really. Yeah. But you still have to wonder about their pitching. I mean, on paper, they they might be worse than they were last year. I mean, they don't have Gibson. They don't have Panea for how long? Six I mean, weeks, I think it is. I mean, they don't May. even have... Who are their five starters? 
Uh, out of out of well, you've got you've got Brios and Odorizzi and Homer Bailey will be in the rotation. Rich Hill is not going to be ready. Pineda is not going to be available until mid. So you're looking at you're probably looking at the Smelters, the Dobniks, maybe Gratterall in that rotation the first uh, five weeks. The one thing, a lot of games in April, there's a lot of a lot of times in April you don't need a fifth starter. You know, and so they don't have four. Well, yeah, but it's a fill-in thing, and you know, and I think it's just like if you had an injury, you know, and somebody she, was mean, out for the six weeks, and I and I agree. I think what this this signing does is it show. It, God, I hope, and this is a big hope because the, every time the twin, you hope the twins don't do it. I really hope this signing, spending this much money on a player, means that come July thirty first. The twins are willing to get that number one uh, guy for rent a player for one, you know, for two months of baseball. Because I do think this lineup. I mean, man, all projections are having Eddie Rosario as the eight hitter. Guy hit 25, 30 home runs last year, hundred RBIs. He's getting bad in eight. But I mean, you talk about the lineup in terms of offense. I, I think it's bigger defensively. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. and part of it has to. Buxton has to be healthy. But if he can be healthy. And you have that, you know, with yeah. that third base taken care of. Yeah. I mean, you can drop an ERA by yep. a run. Absolutely. Now, Even more. So, no, at first base, we'll see see how much of a defensive liability is there because there's no option to move him to DH until Nelson Cruz uh, gets hurt. I mean, it's inevitable. He's 40 years old. But he's not but, replacing a gold glove first baseman. No, he's not. Yeah, I mean, Crone made a huge, huge mistake in game one and, and stuff. So, But, I mean, you're right. Donaldson has, like, the biggest war. You know, uh, whatever that means. Run, whatever. Repla- wins against re- replacements. Wins against replacements. There you go. And, uh, but he's a phenomenal. For his age, he's phenomenal. And um, I, I just think that that's a sign that the Twins feel they're close, right? They feel like they're close. This was, they they missed on the free agent pitching, and then they said, okay, this is our next best way to, to get to where we want to be. And I, and I do think that if they're if they're close at the tra- trade deadline, they'll eat the money for a one-year contract. I, I do think they will. I think I they don't, will too, but you, you don't think they'll make a trade? I, I could definitely see them uh, trading any Rosario. I mean, if he's batting, he's yeah, not. But a, he's I mean, not you're not going to get. You're no, not you're not going to get a number one pick, but you're going to get. You're going to get a good relief pitcher. Um, you're going to get somebody really good for him. I think you would have to package Rosario with a top five prospect and go get a yeah. two or three starter. And I and I th- and that so that that maybe that's the route they go. But I do think they'll do something because I they had to have seen what happened to the Yankees, right? This this lineup's better than it was last year, but you saw what the lineup did. They saw what the lineup did. It wasn't feasible to sign one of these big names. Apparently, some guys just didn't want to come here. Some guys got paid too much money. Whatever it was, I do think though, if they're in it and they feel like they're close, they're gonna make that big move. I know that's asking a lot of the pull heads. I, I know we've never seen this. But I do think that they're going to do it. I mean, they tried it years back with Rick Reed and, I mean, all these things that they tried. But I do think they're going to go out and get that guy if he's available. If, uh, I, I, 
they just don't they don't sign ninety two million dollar guys very often. You know. Well, never. Never. <laughs> Mauer. Yeah. You know, so But uh, in terms of free agency, I think their top one was Urban Santana at fifty two yeah, or yeah, fifty million. Yeah. Phil Hughes got fifty something, I think, for four years or something like that too. So I, I, I just think it's a sign. I think more so and he's gonna he's gonna boy. He mashed the ball last year. Now you're adding that to the lineup, and I mean the lineup. I mean, just just gives me goosebumps. A rise after what a great rookie year. I heard Donaldson might bat two, Polanco maybe bat two, and in the middle of the lineup you got you know you got Sano, you got Nelson Cruz, you got Donaldson, you got Kepler who's coming off a thirty some home run. You could have Darver. Bu- you could have Darver batting seven or eight you with Rosario. Bucks, you could have Buxton nine. Oh, Buxton's still gonna be nine. <laughs> I mean, it's just, wow. I mean, it'll be fun to watch the team because they're going to hit a lot of home runs again. and If they get the same ball. Yeah, I guarantee they won't. And all these teams won't be cheating anymore, so... What do you think of that cheating punishment? What did we say last week? You can't just give them a slap on the wrist. What happened? Uh, you know, they, they suspend guys and then they end up getting fired because of that, but... I like the take I heard yesterday. GM? Yeah, I'll fire these guys. He still gets to keep the, the World Series trophy in Houston. You take, you vacate that, then he takes it even more serious. But I... Uh, I mean, that's that's the question. I mean, knowing the punishment, would would you... Is it worth a World Series? For a lot of people, it w- it's absolutely. they would still take would the still World Series. Absolutely. AJ Hinch can always say I'm a World Series manager. He'll get it. He'll get another shot to coach because he'll just say, "All right, well, just don't do that again, or don't get caught." Really, I, I just I, you look at, I I, I look at um, what happened here, and I, I if you remember the the T Wolves in the '90s, Joe Smith, the under the table stuff, they lost five first round draft picks. Now I think they get, ended up getting two back, but it was just debilitating. It, you know that was during Kevin Garnett's. Uh, you know, prime of his career, and but there's no no sport is a first round draft pick more valuable than the NBA. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's only draft two guys, and uh, yeah. But I just think that baseball made made a point. But I know I've heard a lot of ball guys saying, "Well, come on, sign stealing is part of part uh, is part of the game." Like. Uh, but I, I take it you, you take it at another level when you're using technology. Um, it's not just the guy out of second base trying to read the catcher's signals. It's a lot different, folks. And well, I mean, you could. A lot of people think that's what the Patriots are. I mean, it's not just baseball. You know, in terms of sign stealing. Well, the Twins used to turn on the the fans uh, at the Metrodome. Uh, when the other team was hitting to keep the ball in the park, pumped in, pumped in music, noise at the Metrodome. Everyone has their way until you get caught. But yeah. it, uh, I, I think it was, it's a step that's saying, hey, it's just like steroids. You know, they, they, they made penalties pretty severe. You know, and I think uh, you're seeing the you know, result is, you know, less, less and less guys that are doing it. Then again, there was tons of home runs last year, so has to be the baseball. Well, 
talking about taking a step, the Gophers finished the season ranked number 10 for the first time in... Was there, was there even Associated Press polls no. in the 60s? I mean, that's... To finish in the top 10, that's that's a great place to hang your helmet. I mean, that's... Absolutely. Uh, what did I see? Three, three Big Ten West teams in the top 12, 15, something like that. It's Minnesota, Wisconsin, Penn State, in, uh, no, or no, in Iowa. Iowa. We're we're all up there because you know. Uh, so uh, no, it's just a nice it's a nice end note to to a season and uh, yeah, I just I I think that Auburn game is gonna do more for this program than any other game that this season. The Penn State one was really really nice, but to go down to Florida. Um, you had you know ten thousand plus Minnesota people down there. Uh, beat beat an SEC team. I think that that's going to be a, a program defining win. I mean, I mean, I remember when the talk was, well, would you rather play a Tennessee or a Alabama or an Auburn? And yeah. it's like you have so much to gain for playing one of the a big mm-hmm. SEC yeah. team that you know, especially if you come away with a win like that. I mean. Absolutely. It, it was almost a, it was almost perfect for the them to now playing in the Rose Bowl would have been amazing, but to win uh, a January first game is a huge step for this program. And now Tanner Morgan is one of the players to watch for Heisman next year. And uh, yeah, I, even the Gophers they are they're one hundred to one. They were uh, they were the last team on the on the Las Vegas list out of like let's just say fifteen. For odds for next year for national <laughs> Everyone's rowing the boat. Tanner Morgan is going to miss Tyler Johnson, I think. Yeah, I, I think he will, too. I think the nice part is that their top seven offensive linemen are all back. You know, and so uh, they, they took a big step this year, and I think uh, he'll have, you know, have a group, good group in front of him next year. they got to develop a tight end. I mean, that... He did nothing. He had no tight end to throw to this year. Kid had a couple nice catches in the, in the bowl game, but that's going to be a position that you lose a guy like Tyler Johnson, you have to have that safety net over the middle. That um, might have like been him. the biggest, one of the biggest catches in the bowl game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the one-handed grab to, to seal it was awesome. So, uh, I, yeah, it's a position that they'll have to get a little better at. But you're right. I mean, Tyler Johnson was an X-factor. And again, he might have cost him the game against Iowa. So, uh, but yeah, he, you love to have a senior experience, and I think the Gophers will miss that. They had a strong senior class this year. Maybe not superstars outside of Tyler Johnson, but they had some dependable guys that were they were absolute leaders, and just another you know, other guys got to step up and be leaders. Well, um, look at Eden Prairie's Carter Coughlin in terms of leadership. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that you look at him number one, like. Was he a dominant pass rusher on the end? No. Um, but he was dependable, and he was the guy that got this group together, you know. And um, so. I mean, he was the guy that got the group together. He may have been the guy that got Tyler Johnson to go to the. I mean, he, was a he made a big impact. He was the goat. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, so we wish him well wherever he ends up, if that's football or whatever. <laughs> 